<laughs> I'm here with, with my buddy, Charles, better known as Chuck Connor. So as I go through this, you know, I'm going to say Chuck this and Chuck that, but really, you know, technically it's Charles Connor. So how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. I'm so glad to have you here. Um, so we're going to dive right into this book because what I plan to do with this podcast, since this is going to be a special season, because I'm doing several interviews with you all in, in the book. And so I'm just going to spring it on them and say, hey, look, surprise, we're having <laughs> a book come out. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So the book that I'm talking about is the HBCU Experience, the HBCU Band Alumni Edition. And so what that is, is it's a book of, it's an anthology book of the stories from different HBCU band folks, different programs, different experiences. And you all, including myself, um, get to talk about what our experiences were and how HBCU bands are help make us who we are today. So I'm glad to have you, Chuck. So why don't we go ahead and start with you telling the listeners who you are? Like, tell us about yourself. Oh wow, that's it's hard to do. It's hard to do. Uh, but um, you know, I, I am a uh, native of Brooklyn, New York. I'm a military brat, so I've lived in a lot of different places. But um, definitely, Fayetteville, North Carolina, is home. Uh, for me. And, um, you know, I, I fortunately had an opportunity to uh, graduate from Westover High School, which is located in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, anybody that's familiar with Fayetteville, North Carolina know it's uh, right next to uh, Fort Bragg, the 82nd Airborne Division. And so, uh, you know, the military is a really, really big thing um, for not only uh, band culture, but just the city of Fayetteville, North Carolina. And, uh, and so I've always been closely connected to the military. And so uh, uh, again, Fayetteville, North Carolina is home. And um, after uh, you know high school, got an opportunity to attend Fayetteville State University and uh, North Carolina A&T State University as well. Um, and after uh, I finished my uh, bachelor's in music from Fayetteville State University, uh, I uh, took a job as uh, my first job was a uh, general ed teacher, general music teacher. I was teaching from a cart. So I had a keyboard and all my ORF instruments on a cart. And the students used to call me the music man, you know, because I would <laughs> duck in their classroom for 30 minutes and in and out. And uh, But then after that, I, I took my first position as a director of bands at Hope County High School in Rayford, North Carolina, which is about 45 minutes one way, you know, from Fayetteville uh, in mm -hmm. the country, you know. Um, and uh, I was there from uh, 2008 to 2015. And uh, after that, I uh, took a position um, in Chicago, Illinois, um, on the south side. Um, we call it 103rd in Wakanda. Um, and uh, I got to serve as the founding director of bands, uh, meaning that there wasn't a band program until I arrived uh, there um, at uh, Butler College Prep, which is a charter school, um, part of the Noble Network of Charter Schools in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, my principal was was not only, you know, uh, uh, a good friend of mine, a good fraternity brother of mine, uh, but he was also part of the Blue and Gold Marching Machine as well. Um, and uh, so that was a great opportunity to be in that capacity and, and, and to serve underneath a, a fellow Aggie. Yes. Uh, and then, I, you know, I was there until uh, 2019, and then I took a position in the beautiful state and city of Las Vegas, Nevada, 
um, where we are building. And I say we because there's a hub, myself and a few other directors that are also HBCU band alums. Um, and we are starting a, um, you know, a tradition, a HBCU band tradition out here in Vegas. And, uh, you know, so it's been really, really interesting. And so, uh, um, you know, during my time when I was in Chicago, I started um, my journey to earn my master's in music education at uh, Vanderbilt College of Music, which is a historic school for not only music education, but some of our band legends like um, only Dr. O'Neill Sanford, okay. um, Dr. Isaac Greggs um, attended Vandercook and walked those halls, you know, and, and, and if you're not looking for the school, you'll drive right past it, you know, it's not large, it's not a glamorous, you know, from the outside in, but uh, it's more about more about what's being learned inside, you know, and, and, and as I, I matriculated through that program, I learned so much um, about other directors and, and, and I mean, uh, Paul Russell, that was the founder of uh, E. Smith's band program in Fayetteville, North Carolina, he mm -hmm. attended Vander Cook, you know, and so it, it's just uh, kind of, you know, uh, just, just kind of follow that tradition. I was always intrigued of, of the school. And so I finished my master's this past summer uh, in 2020 and uh, music ed and, uh, and just out here in Vegas, you know, teaching and it's been a, a crazy year. I had a, a year and a half of a regular school. And then of course, uh, unfortunately uh, COVID hit. It was the day before festival. And awesome. uh, we got it, we got it. Awesome. Yeah, it, so we were really excited, but unfortunately we got the email that a festival had been canceled right before a festival. And so me and a bunch of programs in the city, unfortunately did not get to perform. And so I had my first rehearsal with my kids in a year, like three weeks ago, you know, and so. Oh, really? Okay, well, yeah. so what was, it, what was that like? Were, uh, were the students happy to see you? Like, tell me about that experience. Well, yeah, it's been a mixture, you know. I mean, there's been some programs across the country that have been in this hybrid model, um, you know, a whole lot sooner before us. We just started. Um, and so it's been slow going. Uh, of course, the kids that are there, um, you know, and I definitely got to shout out my drum line, drum, you know, percussionists, they are committed no matter what goes on. You know, my wind players are committed, but let me tell you, I like almost all of my drum line showed up, you know, mm -hmm. to like the first day of rehearsal. And so they, they've been working extremely hard, but all of my kids have, and, and, and it felt, you know, being away from the band room and being away from the podium and being away from teaching kids in person, um, you know, is, is, is definitely has been difficult, but, um, you know, just jumping back on the horse, you know, uh, mm -hmm. it, it was really good. And, and, and I, I was a little nervous at first, um, because, you know, when you get off the bike for a while, you, you may stumble, right. you may fall. And, and I was just like, man, I mean, I literally, I've done some conducting workshops, but I haven't, this is the first year in 14 years that I haven't like held a baton almost mm. every day you know, and it, it's, it's different, you know, and so the first time I picked it up, actually, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna tell myself, I forgot my baton at home, and fortunately, I had a reserve one that I always keep in my podium, and, and picking it up, it, it, it was like, wow, like, we're back to this, you know, um, mm -hmm. but it was different, because, you know, I'm used to the band room being full, and we were all spaced out, you know, uh, instruments over here, instruments over here, and, and, you know, and just safety things in place, seeing masks on kids' face, and then I'm having a mask, and 
I like to talk a lot like all band directors do and, and <laughs> this thing being in the way and, 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 you know, and then I have a beard as well too. And so, you know, that's this. So all my people that got beards, you know, uh, definitely this, this mask thing is, it's been difficult for us, <laughs> you know, and so it's been, it's, it's been tough, but uh, I've definitely been um, fortunate to be able to meet with my kids. Cause I know there's some teachers that, are not allowed to meet with their kids at all. Another band director right. as well too. So I don't take that lightly. I, I hear it, you know, just like, I just wish I could see my kids. And so I definitely get that. And I think about that before we go into rehearsal and, and think about ways that um, we can, you know, be, be successful, not only for us, but also for the, for the other band programs that can't meet. Okay. Wow. This, wow. I'm, I didn't imagine, but I guess this makes sense. You know, like your baton is such a part of you. It's like a, like a part of your body. Like, it's, you know. There's you a book. To... There's a book that we have to, it's funny. Um, I had a mentor suggest this book years ago. And then when I got into graduate school, this was the book we were studying from. And this is The Anatomy of Conducting. And so it has a skeleton and then it has a baton in the hand and talks about all the muscle groups and all the bones and different things we use to conduct and to, you know, convey that message to the ensemble, which we hope gets out to the audience in terms of uh, listening and their enjoyment. So yeah, it, it, it's a part of what we do. And when you don't have that, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, it, it's definitely different. You know, it's definitely different um, for band directors that are, that are always uh, using it all the time. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, I'm glad you, I'm glad you talked about that. What I want to do is go back a little bit though. Okay. Um, your, your first instrument or tell me about what made you want to do, do music and tell me about, you know, maybe your first instrument and how, how it progressed from there. Man. Well, I always say the band chose me. Not I didn't choose the band. Um, I was always involved in activities. Um, you know, uh, with, with sports mainly when I first started off. But how I got into band is, uh, and, and I'll lie to you, that's a true story. Uh, I showed up to middle school night. They had all the instruments and stuff laid out. And I had a dead set in my mind because I love movie music. You know, of course, John Williams and mm -hmm. Hans Zimmer and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and hearing all those sounds and like movies like, you know, of course, Jaws, but Indiana Jones and all that stuff. Like I was always intrigued with it. And so the first instance when I showed up, they said, hey, what do you want to play? I said, the violin. They said, this is band night, not orchestra night. So mm -hmm. I had to pick an instrument on the spot. And my uh, older brother had played the trombone. So I was like, all right, I'll pick the trombone. Maybe he can teach me something. Man, I brought that thing home. And he was like, man, I ain't played that thing in years. I can't teach you anything. And so <laughs> I was stuck with this instrument that I knew nothing about. Uh, and, you know, I remember my band director, Miss Evans, uh, she said, don't take out your instrument uh, until we have the first class. Man, I was in the back of the room with my little con trombone pea shooter, mm -hmm. 12C mouth mouthpiece, which is the beginning mouthpiece. I was back there just <laughs> making all this noise. And my mom was like, did you stay? I was like, that's no, all right. I, you know, uh, she says, okay, you know, just, just me being a middle school kid in sixth grade, you know. So I started in sixth grade. Uh, and I was in band and, and, and I didn't realize until I got older, like how blessed we were um, at my middle school. We not only had like two, you had like the beginning band and then you had like the advanced band. And then we had a jazz band that used to meet um, during lunch. 
So the band kids would eat lunch by themselves and then do rehearsal when everybody else was doing lunch. And I didn't realize that that's like not a common thing, you know? So I've been part of concert band. I've been part of a jazz band. And we did two marching performances in middle school for like the Veterans Day Parade and like Thanksgiving Day Parade in middle school, right? Okay. But even having all of that, um, you know, when I moved um, to North Carolina, I moved to North Carolina from the state of Maine. That's where my uh, father's from. And so um, I never forget turning in. We had pink slips back in the day to uh, withdraw mm -hmm. from classes. And I turned mine in to withdraw from band when I was in Maine. Ninth grade, I started ninth grade there because I got selected to the uh, varsity football team as a freshman. And so I was like, man, this is just too much time. But to be honest, like there wasn't a connection with like the high school and the middle school, you know? And so that's, you know, that's, that's what kind of happened with that. So I started off on the trombone, but then when I moved to North Carolina, I got bit by the band bug. Like I was like, what is this? They're playing music that I know that I listen to, mm -hmm. you know, outside of school. Uh, you know, I mean, I can remember the first piece that I really loved in middle school was we did Under the Sea from uh, <laughs> Little, Little Mermaid. Mermaid. Mm -hmm. And when I heard those mallets and I heard those, I was like, oh, man, this is cool. But we didn't play music like, like that all the time. You know, it wasn't something that I, I could like relate to some of the things that we were playing. And so but when I got to North Carolina, it was a whole nother story, a whole nother ball game. And of course, I talk about that in the book. I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't want to give too much away. But, you know, I just I, I just remember that. And, and, and like the bands in North Carolina that I realized in the South were, you know, treated just as much or even greater than the athletic teams, you know. And I was just like, oh, man, you know. And so um, I made a choice you know, in the middle of my high school career to, uh, to uh, it was funny because uh, uh, Dr. Reed in his interview the other day has had a similar experience. I was like, oh my goodness, that happened to me. I never forget the first band rehearsal that we marched by the football team. And oh my goodness, I got mm -hmm. ragged so hard by all of my friends, all of my former teammates. Like, man, you picked the band over the football team or whatever. And in the end, it just, it just, it really worked out. You know, our, our band got really, really good. Uh, we had, we had a lot of people in there that, that wanted to change, you know, uh, um, the landscape of the band um, when I got there, but it was just a, a different experience. Band was just definitely different in the South than what it was uh, all the way up in the state of Maine. Well, you know, I've read the book and everybody's stories. It's, it's so good. First of all, let me just say, it's so good. When you get it, you are going to be so impressed. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear you all's reaction because <laughs> you're going to find that even though we all went to different programs and whatnot, it's, it's, there's some, there's a common thread there. There's a common thread. Right, right, right. Anyway, but, um, so let's, let's talk about HBCUs just in general. So okay. was an HBCU your first choice? And if so, why? Well, it's crazy. You know, my dad was in the military, uh, retired first sergeant, uh, did 22 years in the military. And when we lived in Maine, there wasn't um, a military hospital anywhere close. You know, the state of Maine is a very big state. And so, it, I mean, we used to drive hours just for him to pick up his medication and things like that. So my oh, dad wow. wanted to move a little closer to a military base. And at that time, my brother was stationed um, at Fort Bragg. And so he asked me, uh, because you and I, we have a common thread, not only being Aggies, 
but also loving Tar Heel basketball. Yeah. And I grew up, I grew up, of course, a Michael Jordan fan. Um, and but I researched what college he went to, and I was like, man, like I, I was like, all right, I'm about to be a Tar Heel fan, right? And so my dad was like, what school you want to move? To? Uh, he's like, he's like, what school you want to go to? I was like, man, I want to go to Michael Jordan school, you know, not knowing so much about it. And so I never forget. Um, coming home one day and we had a for sale sign and they're like, Hey, we're moving. I'm like, we're moving. They're like, I'm like, where? They're like North Carolina. So, you know, in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to be this big basketball, you know, player or whatever. And I, you know, and, and so we'll move to North Carolina. But after I got involved into the band, I only applied to HBCUs. I okay. only applied to HBCUs because I felt something in my spirit, you know, and 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 I got to give a shout out to uh, my my high school buddy and he's a he's a FAMU alum, Marching 100 alum, Brandon Vaughn, played trumpet. He was my drum major. And his dad was in the Marching 100 with Dr. Julian White. So mm -hmm. we can talk about how long ago that is, you know. And um every time I would go to his house, he would have these tapes, you know, from mm -hmm. Tape Master. And 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 he told me what the fifth quarter was. And his dad would talk about, you know, I mean, I mean, but some of the video that he had was some of like the black and white, you know, family. It was real to real footage. Oh my goodness. It converted every to time. Yes. Yeah. And so every time I would come over, he would always play these different sounds. And, and, and I was just like, man, give me another tape. Give me another tape, you know? And, and, and I just got really intrigued with it. And so HBCUs was, that was it. You know, I told my parents, mm -hmm going i'm going for band even before i decided my major i was like i'm going for band i know what i want to do and and really what put gasoline on the fire is the marching 100 camp at famu i got a okay. chance to go i got a chance to go prior to my senior year and um i mean it was it, it was such an inspiration in so many different ways um, I got to shake the late great dr foster's hand mm -hmm. um, and i got to meet him and it was crazy Lack of, uh, be honest, I should have been jumped because I made my way and weaved in and out to shake this man's hand. And anybody that knows, like, when your band director is in, you know, going from A to Z, he's not walking by himself. There's right. Some staff members, some drum majors, somebody. And I made my way and I introduced myself. And he was like, Did you enjoy yourself? I'm like, Yes, sir. He's like, Thank you for coming. I hope you choose Florida AM, you know, as a, a potential, you know, college to attend. And so I got to meet him. That was my first introduction to KK Sai and Tabay the Sigma. Every drum major, every section leader, every staff member, everybody that made that band function was a member of Kappa Kappa Psi, Tabay the Sigma. And I was just like, oh my goodness, what is this organization? I need to do some research and find out about it. I want to do that. And so that camp really just in a whole I mean, it, it, it showed me um, hard work on a whole nother level. You know, um, we were up at 4 a.m. till mm -hmm. 11 at night for an entire week till the end of the week uh, where we did some social activities. Um, just the, um, the counselors, you know, not only talked about musicianship, but also talked about college as well, too. Um, you know, uh, we, it, it just, it opened my mind to some different things in terms of uh, sound and, and, and leadership as well, too. Um, and, and the goal of that camp was not only to have a great camp and have a good performance, um, 
but also to take those things back to your high school band program, um, those leadership things and make your high school band program better. And I can honestly say it did, you know, me and a few of my high school buddies did and, and, and we came back and we had like our best year, you know, mm -hmm. that year. Anybody knows Fayetteville, North Carolina, that's, you know, E. Smith country, you know, in terms right. of band. And we were the rival school. I mean, we had, we had faculty members, teachers that were E.E. Smith alumni mm -hmm. when I was in school and they used to say, who that trying to be a golden bull? Who mm -hmm. that? Who telling us, telling students that? And we were just like, oh my goodness, we got, we got to make this happen. And so fortunately my senior year, like, you know, I was part of the drum line and I was a drum line captain and um, we, uh, we, we just had a really good year. The band was great. Um, we went to the Dudley competition, which, you know, was a huge thing mm -hmm. in the late 90s. Um, you know, uh, definitely shout out to uh, uh, Mr. Millsap, you know, uh, the late, great Mr. Millsap, uh, you know, for putting that together and, and those legendary Dudley bands there, you know, um, and during, during, during those uh, mid to late 90s. And, uh, you know, so HBCUs was on my radar. Um, I was kind of back and forth, you know, I, I love uh, uh, Florida A&M is one of my favorite programs, um, you know, of all time. I got introduced to Fayetteville State. That was my first HBCU band to, that I saw. And I talk about that in the book as yeah, well. So let's, let's, let's go. Let's go there. All right. Okay. So, okay. So you have had the opportunity to march for not one, but two HBCU bands. Yes. <laughs> so you could just kind of, you know, give me a little summary of okay. your experience in both of those bands because you know we've got two programs here so right 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 and and and, and you know I, i'm extremely thankful for both of those experiences i was in school for a long time a lot of personal reasons but also some things i you know i, I just love i love the band and i didn't want to let it go you know at one point i didn't want to let it go uh, you know i mean when we saw schedules i mean christy you know you saw our schedules in mm -hmm. the late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, it was like group after group after group. And then in our conference, just the MEAC conference. And, and then when I was in the CIAA conference, we had some really good bands as well too. Early Virginia State, when Harold Halton was there, mm -hmm. uh, legendary Harold Halton, um, you know, uh, there was just other groups, you know what I'm saying, that were doing some really good things. So it was like every weekend, it was like, you know what I'm saying, put up or shut up. You know, and then you throw some of the best in the swag. You throw a Southern on the schedule. You throw a Jackson on the schedule, you know, and these different performances, um, you know, was an amazing thing. And so for me, um, I'm just thankful to have those experiences because I wouldn't be not only the band director, but the person I am today without what I got from Fayetteville State University and North Carolina a and I got so much at certain pivotal times, you know, um, I originally, you know, it, it was in my heart and I, and, and I remember talking to our band director, the late great Dr. Johnny B. Hodge, mm -hmm. and I was supposed to come in 2000, you know, I graduated 2000 class of the millennium, you know, and, 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 and I was supposed to be there, you know, I had went to a few Aggie Eagle classics. And as soon as I heard the blue and gold marching machine, I was like, man, that's it. I have a videotape somewhere of my first Aggie Eagle. And you can hear the band, but you can hear me singing Aggie Spirit, like just going nuts, like having like I like an explosion. I was like, oh my goodness. And and uh so going to both of those schools to summarize, it's kind of hard because it's a it's a period of seven years, seven to eight years, you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember 
when you we were talking about the book and you were like, uh, hey, how's things coming? Typically our chapters are this long. Mm-hmm. I had, I swear I probably had enough for like five chapters when I first just started typing and just throwing everything out there. And I was like, okay, I'm going to whittle it down and just hit the key points. But I mean, it's such a, a long period of time and so many things, good, bad, or indifferent took place. And and, and, and I got so much, you know, my first uh, band director, my first collegiate band director was the late great Dr. Harold Bray. He used mm. to be at Alabama State, used to be at Bethune-Cookman, was at Fayetteville State. And then I think uh, before he passed away, he was at um, Albany State. Um, and uh, he used to teach at Chicago Vocational School, which is crazy. I was teaching in Chicago and then learning about that history. Also, uh, you know, he's an alum of Vandercook College of Music. He's the first one to tell me about Vandercook College of Music. Okay. And so, you know, all these things just kind of piece all together. And so um, my experience, and uh, he's a, a Grambling alum. Mm-hmm. Um, to my knowledge, he was a uh, part of the first Super Bowl, Super Bowl one, when Grambling performed. And so just sitting there and having conversations with him after practice um, was just an amazing thing. Uh, you know, I, I talk about some things with, the, you know, with him in the book and, and uh, it was just an amazing, it, it was amazing opportunity to be close to an individual that had, um, you know, done so many great things um, in terms of music education. Anybody that knows the history of Chicago Vocational School and when he was the band director, I mean, it was one of the top tier programs in the country. They mm-hmm. did everything that bands could do or possibly do. Um, and, and he was, you know, very, very strict. I mean, uh, I remember scale tests, random scale tests every day, like we were in high school, but he did it on the collegiate level. And for individuals that was a music major like myself, you know, the, the, the relationship between the band member and then the band director is on a whole nother level. The expectations are through the roof. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a second to none experience, you know, uh, sometimes really good and sometimes very, very stressful because you have this band director that has done so many great things and they've also had made mistakes as well too, as college students do. But yes. when, they, when they're looking at you, they're like, hey, we don't want you to make the same mistakes that I made. So I'm about to put my foot in your tail every day. What are you doing? How are you getting better? You're not practicing? Get your butt up. Get in the practice room. Stop hanging out at the cab. Leave them girls alone. Like, you know, it was constant all the time. So my first experience, you know, when I was at Fayetteville State, um, it, it was definitely rocky because he was coming in to build the band program. Um, of course, you know, things are different from being, um, you know, in, in, in the deep south in our, you know, Alabama, you know, Georgia and things like that, um, you know, Mississippi, it's different there than how it is, you know, in North Carolina, maybe South Carolina, Virginia. Similarities, but there's some differences. And so, you know, it was definitely um, a transition period. Um, but I you tell were, you, every- were drum, you were a drum major at Fayetteville State, right? Right, but that happened later. That happened okay. later. Okay. That I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to steal your thunder with the chapter now. I'm not going to do that. because no, no, that's okay, yeah. <laughs> right. And so, um, you know, uh, so I elected to, and I remember my dad telling me, the reason why I didn't attend A&T initially um, is because I, we couldn't afford it. You know, it was a little bit too expensive. You know, I pretty much, you know, uh, I, again, my dad's retired military. You know, my mom medically couldn't work. And so, you know, one house, the one income house, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and just 
I tell my students now, you apply to all the schools. And I remember sitting down looking at all my schools, looking at all the FAFSA letters and what I had to offer, you know, and, and, and a lot of people don't understand, like, you know, some of our programs on HBCU level are not as large as others because really financial differences, you know, financial differences. When you look at maybe a small program versus a large program, you know, there's a lot of different things, variables or factors, you know what I'm saying, that can go into that in terms of a growth and development of a program. Does the university uh, want to have a large program? Do they value the man program and things like that? And so, you know, and so there wasn't band scholarship available, you know, at Fayetteville State at that time, neither at A&T when I got there. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, my dad always told me, he was like, you know, you're a young man, you have to make decisions and the decisions that you make, you know, you got to be responsible and you have to live up to them. So I never forget after my first season, and I love all my people that I was at Fayetteville State with my first year, some great relationships, great experiences. But after coming from a highly competitive high school program, also attending the Florida A&M camp, um, and then making the decision financially, because, you know, as, as teenagers and going into college, your parents make a decision, you know, you got to go with it. Sometimes I wasn't going to be disrespectful. And my dad was like, hey, financially, this is what's the best decision for you and for us right now. And so I made that decision to go to Fayetteville State my first year. But after, when it got to the spring, I, I knew where my heart was. I knew where my heart was. And, and I had to make a decision. And so I drew up a plan um, that I was able to take out a loan, but I would repay it myself, you know, before the first year to make the difference. I think it was like a $1,700 difference, you know, in terms of one school to the next. Um, and I withdrew myself after I finished at Fayetteville State my first year, I withdrew myself. And I called Dr. Hodge, which I talk about in the book. Again, I won't go into that in detail, but I called him and then uh, I told my dad, I had a conversation over dinner and I said, dad, I was like, I made a decision um, for the best interest for me as a music major, but also as an individual that wants to uh, be a um, very successful band director um, to, you know, cause I already had my acceptance letter from the year before to attend A&T. Um, and uh, to make that transition, my dad's like, all right, you made a decision, you thought about it, um, you got to go with it. We'll try to support as much as we can, um, but, um, you know, get just, you know, get yourself ready. And so okay. I made that decision to go there in 2001, uh, and I was an applied student of Dr. Hodge during his last two years as director of bands. And, and again, that relationship, it's a lot of conversations that, you know, stayed in that office, you know, in Fraser Hall, you know, between us a lot of mm -hmm. times. He uh, made phone calls to other band directors. And respectfully, I would say, Dr. Arts, you need me to step in a room? He's like, no, you need to listen to this. He's mm -hmm. like, you need to hear. And I remember a specific conversation where he called a band director that we were playing that weekend. I'm not going to say the school or who they are. but because yeah, if you say the school, we're going to know who they are. Right, right, right. And so uh, he, uh, you know, got, they, they were trying to make some adjustments to what was going to happen at the Saturday game. Right. And it wasn't like, you know, typically, you know, of course, both bands have time. Home band comes on second, visitor goes on first. They, they were trying to make some jumps. It was on a Thursday. My applied lessons were on Thursday in the afternoon, right before lunch. And I listened to the conversation. He told me I could stay, hung up the phone. He said, Charles, he was like, this is that mess 
that band directors would try to pull at the last minute to try to get a heads up on you. Don't ever let anybody shake you or make you change your game plan. You do what you do, no matter where you go. He's like, I don't care if your band's playing on the moon, you do you. He's well, like, you know what? Knowing Dr. Hodge, I'm sure he used some more colorful language than what you Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. And, and you knew in the back of his office, he had that, uh, uh, his, 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 his wooden stick that was okay. back there in the back of the office. He didn't pull it out, but it was just always there. And, 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 and just those conversations just, it, it did something to me. I mean, I, you know, I, I get a little emotional every time I talk about it because I realized that my experience along with others, you know, um, we're, we're, we're just uh, really very special, very special and some things that, you know, that again, stayed in that office and, and, and I learned so much. And, and, and even in my time, you know, with Dr. Hodge and through my time with the band at A&T, you know, like a college student, I did some things I was supposed to and I did some things that I wasn't supposed to do. And, and I remember there was a lot of times, man, I was supposed to be going this way, but I was going this way on campus and man, and Doc would just show up. He would mm -hmm. show up like, 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 um, I don't know, like, uh, you know, Jason from Friday the 13th, he would just pop <laughs> up and I would hear his voice. He'd be like, son, where you going? That's not the practice room. Get to the practice, Get yeah. to the practice room. You know, or, or or this, don't you got some studying to do or something like every time. And, and you know, he I don't know if he gave it, I I I don't know this history, but I don't know if he gave it to our um our our, our band members, our female band directors, but I know for us and some of the males, he would give us this huge stern handshake that would almost rip your hand off. And if he really liked you, he would give you a headbutt sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and you probably witnessed that headbutt. No, I you got it. You were on the receiver there. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm saying maybe it's just maybe it's a guy thing because right, because I know with this late, of course, when you have, and I'm a girl dad. I'm a girl dad. When you when you have a, a baby girl, it does something to you. It will melt the toughest individual, you know, and 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 I have to, you know, and I have a bonus son, and sometimes I'm a little tough on him. And then my 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 wonderful fiance will look at me sideways when I let my 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 our baby girl slide a little bit. She's like, come on now, Charles. You know, and so it, it it's hard, you know. So I didn't know if that was just a God thing, but he would lean in, squeeze that hand, and give you that headbutt and look at and look into your eyes and peek yeah. into your soul. And he didn't have to say anything, and you knew exactly what he was talking about every time, and what he wanted you to do better. Well, you well, you know, I marched with with Nikki. Dr. Right, Barnes. right, yes, yes, yes. I know that he yes. looked at me kind of like a like a daughter. I was oh, for daughter, sure. So. Yeah, yeah. So we, we got a couple more questions. I want to make sure to get through these. Um, yeah, for sure. So I'm gonna switch gears a little. Well, not necessarily, but um, so we know the band is a big part of HBCUs. So if you can, tell me more about why you think the band is so instrumental to the HBCU experience. Man, you know, I know my first HBCUs that I saw, that's what I saw first, whether it was on the flyer, whether it was at like a uh, orientation, you know, I wore my a &T freshman orientation shirt my senior year, like almost every week. Sometimes I doubled up, you know, because I just remember that experience because of the band, you know, because of the band. And, and so it's the largest student organization on campus. 
we know that the band plays for sometimes every wine and cheese party on campus. You know, you might have a politician that's coming on campus for like um, a quick meeting. And as soon as they walk out, they want the band right there front and center. You know, you can hear, I mean, you and I had a different experience at ANC with some of the um, current students have, meaning that like we used to have practice like very, extremely late, but like out on campus. I remember my trombone sectionals in front of the Dudley building where yep. every ANC band member takes a, a band picture, you know, historically, mm -hmm. the history of the band right on the steps, right there in the Dudley building, right uh, behind the, um, the ANC four statue where that, where that sits. And um, I just, you know, just see that not only being the largest student organization, like I said before, but it's like the spirit of the HBCU um, institution, but also the culture as well too. I mean, everything's embodied in it. And, and a misconception is that, oh, the band is all music majors. There's probably less than 10 music majors, 10 to 20, 10 to 15 in every band program. It's mixed up everything on campus. I remember having a conversation um, with a previous previous chancellor and saying, you got every major represented in the band. So if you support the band program, what do you think it's gonna do for the rest of the school? The yeah. rest of the university? Like that, this has to be the number one supported organization on campus. And, and again, as a former athlete, and, and I still coach, I currently coach uh, high school basketball. I did that in North Carolina, I do it out here. And, and so I see both sides of it. And I know how much football and basketball mainly bring to a school, to an institution of high learning. I get it. That's why your stadiums are huge. But besides the game that's going on, there is another competition or another game that's going on in the bleachers mm -hmm. you know? yeah. and, and and when that is how we see our schools even but some of let me tell you band and, and dr ruff the current band director at ANT, which is also my band director as well too both mm -hmm. our assistant band directors because when i knew dr kenneth ruff and you as well too it was a different dr ruff yeah. Than the Dr. Ruff that the kids get now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause he was Different. doing well, Dr. Ruff was doing um he was at camp when when I was at camp, like doing he was doing the drills. And, he was doing drill. I seen him pick up that flag and whip mm -hmm. that thing around, you know, and I'm just like, okay, this guy is intense because see when I was there, he was a assistant principal. And then he would come over um, and um, and then teach the drill and teach the show. And man, he used to be in our tail, you know, every day. And so when that transition happened, I happened to be on the student uh, leadership group, you know, to interview the different directors. And and there that could be a whole story. I hope Dr. Ruff puts put that out because that could be a whole story of that, that transition. And and but I just remember that and we couldn't even answer it. We couldn't even like ask him questions. We already knew what we were going to get, the level of excellence, the level of attentive, attentiveness. And we knew he was a Hodge kid as well too. So he had that in him as well too, to keep that band program going until they are right now. And so, um, you know, the band program at HBCU is the fabric. It is the spine of the historically black colleges and universities. And you see it. This is, you go to other schools, um, that don't have that. 
I mean, even when I was on campus at Vandercook, I wear my Fable State jacket, I wear my A&T paraphernalia, and folks would ask, and these are individuals that are graduates of some big predominant PWIs, and they're like, oh my goodness, I love what I hear from this school. I love what I hear from this school. I wish I could teach that to my kids. These are all band directors, mind you. And they're like, but I'm just not, you know, familiar with the culture and I wouldn't want to be disrespectful. And I would first say, I appreciate that. I was like, but understand this, that, you know, this, this culture and, and what we have, it, it, it's far greater, you know, um, than what we just want to give to our students. But it's something that we want to share, um, you know, to, to the whole world. And, and we're seeing that more now than ever. Okay. okay, good. So I have one last question for you. Okay. If you can tell me about like your involvement with the band now. Now, not necessarily you, your current role as a, as a director, but like either one of the schools, Fayetteville State or A&T. Well, uh, it's crazy. I, I currently serve as an Aggie mentor. So I have about four students, four, three or four students that I mentor. Um, and uh, those are actually non-band members. Um, and so it, it's really crazy to hear their stories because they're all freshmen coming into the year with COVID going on and just kind of hearing their struggles and, and just trying to be a mentor to them. So I, I still kind of, you know, stay connected with that. But in terms of the band program, uh, it's crazy, you know, and um, I have so many kids that are part of the band program at Fayetteville State University. Um, I, I had students, you know, at North Carolina a and at one time. A lot of them have graduated, um, you know, uh, from there since. Um, and, and, and I just try to stay as, as closely connected as, pos as possible. Um, recently, just kind of, um, you know, found out more information about the loyalty program that's at a and mm -hmm. and trying to support with that. I think that's just a great endeavor. And, and, and when and if it's God's, uh, you know, uh, plan for me to serve as a director of bands, I'm definitely going to, on a collegiate level, I'm definitely going to follow uh, that model because I think it's such a great thing. Um, I have... Uh, again, a lot of students that are uh, in the band at Fayetteville State University, uh, not only uh, that were under my direction, but also uh, Mr. Devon Pickett, that uh, is the director of bands at my former school in North Carolina. He's a Fayetteville State alum. And so sending kids to the program to Dr. Reed at Fayetteville State. And, um, you know, just, just try to, uh, uh, of course, I have some students kind of reach out and ask about my experience and, and, and try to give them some guidance and uh, things of that such. But as a, as a high school band director, I can say um, it's difficult, you know, um, sometimes because our schedules like coincide with each other a lot. Yeah. Well, I do want to also add, can't forget about this because I've seen it myself. You've marched in alumni band at A&T. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do that as much as I can. And that comes from seeing uh, FAMU, they do this thing called uh, Bring It On yeah. with the alumni at the on the Friday before the camp uh the participants uh, give their show the next day. Mm -hmm. And I never forget seeing these individuals. Now, mind you, when I came to FAMU musically, I was okay. I was average at best. But I remember seeing some kids, some middle school kids that could play circles around me. So I was just like learning as much as I could. And I never forget seeing those alumni come on the field, march on the field, like they haven't lost a step. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's exactly, because it was so inspirational for me. I mean, I'm seeing people that were in the band in the 70s. 
And so when I see individuals like your parents, for an example, or other individuals participate in alumni band, you know, I, I definitely talk to some of the younger alumni and be like, hey, look, I want to turn up with you at GHO just like the rest. But this is important. I was like, this is important. Pick up your instrument, do this parade, you know what I'm saying? Relive it one more time, and then you can turn up and have fun. And so, you know, I have an opportunity to do that. I'm hoping my goal is to do it for both, you know, alma maters next year. Get in um, shape, man. Get in shape. Do that. I still get out there. I still get out there with my current kids, with my band program. I at least march with my drum majors a couple of times throughout the year at practice. I get in the ranks you know, pick up a drum every once in a blue moon. I can't do it as much as I used to, but I tell right. myself, as long as I can still do it, I need to go out there and do that because it, it, it's an inspiration for my kids, you know. My high school band director pick up every instrument and be like, son, this is how you play it, you know. And I remember seeing that. I'm like, man, I want to be that band director because I've learned that true mastery is being able, being able to teach somebody else, you know. Right, Seeing right. that it's all inspirational for me. So I try to stay as closely connected as possible. Um, you know, with our HBCU bands, it's always a rivalry, you know, and, and so being closely connected to both, um, you know, schools, um, you know, I, I try I try to represent as much as as much as possible. But people have to understand that, you know, it's kind of like your first love, you know, when I when I saw the ANC band, the Blue Go Marching Machine, I mean, I remember looking at a video that I recorded and seeing individuals and knowing what they did, their role in the band before I got there. And then all of these individuals are close family and friend and line brothers and line sisters and mentors and all this stuff. I mean, I looked at them all as celebrities, you know? I remember rolling up to ANC's campus and hearing Tori Searcy. Oh, Tori. And him just laying, and I was like, I was like, how does he get that sound? I mean, I was in a car, all the windows were up, music was blasting, and it was like that sugarphone was inside of the car. It was the first time I rode on campus. It was a day early before camp because I was so excited. I was like, can we just go to campus? Because uh, I just kind of want to see, because I knew some band folks were around. I could hear drums from afar. So uh, again, those things are inspirational. And so, uh, you know, I love both uh, both my HBCUs and, and, and all HBCUs. I have so many students that are part of band programs all over the country. And I always say, send me a picture of your uniform, of you and your uniform. Because uh, that just—I it, it, just remember putting on my uniform for the first time, and and that feeling, and so that just makes it really, really special. All right, then, Chuck. We're gonna—I'm glad you were able to. You know, I'm so glad to be able to talk to you. This was this was really good. And um, tell tell people how to how to find you. Oh man, well, I'm on Facebook. Um, you know, Charles Connor. That's on there. Uh, you'll probably see a picture of myself or my family, you know, uh, that's on there um, on Instagram, Siphone uh, 5, you know, to all my KKSI brothers at Siphone 5. Um, I'm on uh, LinkedIn as well, too, so you can look up, uh, you know, uh, my name up there. Uh, oh, what else? Um, also, during the pandemic, I picked up DJing. I you know I'm a fan of music, and so <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on Twitch and, and Mixcord and YouTube and 
DJ Chuck E. And so I'm on there, you know, I'm hoping to maybe uh, uh, DJ for uh, the Jiho alumni party. That's an idea that I've been kind of conjuring up. So Andre Winstead, I got to get in contact with you to make that happen, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm just on there and I'm just a constant resource. I, I mean, I just love HBCUs and, and I love our band programs and, and what they do for our schools. And, and, and there's a reason why we're so attached to them because we learn so much, we mm -hmm. learn so much. And, 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 and homecoming for us is just a, just a, a whole nother thing. And so uh, again, it's my goal to be at both homecomings. Hopefully they don't uh, uh, schedule them on the same day. Oh yeah. Know, and that, that happens, you know, and, and, uh, and be there and, and, and be there in full effect and, and try to support as well too, as much as I can. I got some different things going on that financially that me and other band alumni are trying to do to support, um, you know, more because as an alumni, we understand that financially, uh, that's, that's one of our duties. Mm -hmm. yeah. duties as alum. You know, we're not there anymore all the time. Um, and so if we can give financially, that can put a scholarship in some kid's hand that could maybe help them get a meal plan. Cause I know what it is not to have a meal plan and, and have one of our band brothers get me into the calf so I can eat something before mm -hmm. practice. You know? yeah. And so, uh, uh, yeah, so th that's how you can follow me. And, and, and I'm just so thankful for the opportunity and that you asked me uh, to be a part of this wonderful project. I'm so excited about it. I, I'm just like, I haven't been able to sleep really that well because I cannot wait until you, you all get that book in your hand um, and and you're able to read the stories. I Yeah, so I'm glad yeah. you're in it, Chuck. Thank <laughs> you so much. Yeah, no problem. You have listened to the HBCU Band Experience with Christy Walker. Interviews and editing conducted by yours truly, Dr. Christy Walker. The music is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. And you can find this podcast on hbcubandexperience.podbean.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Take care.